What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Hollywood Already Did It, your weekly movie podcast for things that have been rebooted, remade, sequelized, and whether or not we need to keep doing this, and we will endlessly, forever, and for always. Uh, that's just the nature of the beast. As always, I'm your host, Blake Schultz, and with me is Terrence Tatum. Hello, everyone. And this week, we are finally talking about Candyman. Uh, one of the most long-awaited sequels, one of the most long-awaited horror movies before the pandemic. I feel like all eyes were on this when things were getting delayed. An incredibly important movie for a number of reasons that we're going to get into, and just how awesome this movie was. <laughs> Terrence, tell us how awesome Candyman was. <laughs> it is. Uh, it's a fantastic movie. I I could not. I sat in the theater for a good five minutes after the credits stopped rolling just to kind of like let that film wash over me. It's really good and it works as a great, I, I was always afraid that it would take away or not be as good as original, but I feel like it works as a good 1A to 1B companion piece to, to, the, to the first film. Um, I love that it's a, a slow descent, just like the first one where we didn't get into typical today horror tropes. It kind of like took the slow burn that the first one did um, and going to the descent, but I love that it became sort of the social commentary as it went along and as it and has got there and it became something more than what I had ever anticipated to becoming. A big problem that I always sort of had with the, the first Candyman um, was that considering the people that put Candyman in the position that he is, I always was a little off as to why he was killing people that looked like him. <laughs> or looked like him when he was I was like why is he a boogeyman to black people that doesn't make sense to me it just didn't still did still doesn't and now it's sort of this film has sort of done a, a course correction for that and I I dug it I dug how we got there I love the, the 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 way that it handled all of that and became sort of this sad but true story of how people who look like Candyman have gone through this vicious, vicious loop cycle throughout history and it's these now are sort of a hive mentality where yes Daniel Robitaille is the first but we this has not been the first time that this has happened and it won't be the last and we're going to do this vicious cycle and it sort of ends with one of the glorious I think it might be a little sped up we'll get into that but I, one of the one glorious finales that I've seen in a super long time oh the finale made the movie that yeah. was an extra it's a great button three four points at correct i mean it took it from like an eight to a ten yeah that was awesome but even like from the jump you're right i think one of the first like the first Candyman movie obviously had a lot of social commentary there was a lot happening in that movie and it was this almost like a horror drama i've never really felt scared watching Candyman, but i, and I think it's mostly because i'm like for so long you don't even see Candyman. Or a death. Sort of acts like You're Jaws a watching, little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this mystery unfolding in front of you that then explodes. Mm -hmm. And it's great. And so then you get into this one and it kicks off with such a unique tone. We're playing the Candyman song during the mirror image of every production company's logo and so, you're just already caught after the first frame i was like wait is this a mistake and then it happened on the second frame I was like, oh no this is purpose and i get it now i like it well done well it was in the trailers also and i think yeah. that's why i was like oh we're doing it we're really <laughs> like they just don't fucking care we're candy manning everything 
Um, and I love, and then we get there and, you know, I had just rewatched Candyman and it starts with those awesome, like helicopter top-down shots of Chicago. Right. And you're like, well, how are they going to top this? How are you going to make this look even cooler? Well, we're just going to make a fog and flip the whole thing upside down. And you're going to see the city from a point of view you've never seen it before, which is great. And we're both from the Midwest. I'm from Chicago. And as soon as they started talking about some of these, like, we're just cutting off communities. I'm like, yeah, Chicago really and is super segregated. And that's it very, is very segregated. Bad. And it, the flip, now that you mention it, is even more indicative of how the movie the movies are too, because the first Candyman, bless, bless her heart, Helen is a white woman. So you're seeing this world, you're coming into this world through the eyes of a white woman. This time we're flipping it and you are looking at it from a different point where your main point of view is an African-American male. Yeah, that's also, yeah, it's a very, everything kind of gets inverted. And I think through that, we then see Candyman as a more sympathetic killer empathetic empathetic yeah and probably more so yeah it's like one of the things that's always bothered me about freddy krueger is he's like no he's out for revenge because he was murdered i'm like but he was murdered for being a pedophile (laughs) right and Candyman sort of is like he's also getting revenge for being murdered because he was an innocent man right i I like someone that that i should not have right i like someone that i should not have liked and then i died (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you know the, some of those stylistic choices the like cut out puppeteering for all these I love those. old oh my god incredible i've yeah. never seen anything like that before in anything that i can think of and i'm sure that i have i'm sure someone's done shadow puppets or animation somewhere but this is better it's so i don't do care exposition about without like feeling feeling overly like dumped on it's like oh you're giving me an exposition and this is a wonderful way to tell me the story thank you so then you get into like the overall tone of this movie and this story. And if you haven't seen it yet, you should, because we're about to ruin it. We're going into it. <laughs> uh, and so we, we come with, with this artist who's in the middle of, I have to make a show, it has to be curated, and I want to make something like visceral and raw. And he gets inspired by the story of Candyman, because they're living in a gentrified part of the city. And we very, very quickly see a conversation unfold about the mostly cons, but like one character is like, well, now we all live in nice places. And I think if you don't fully understand what gentrification is and does, it's very easy to be like, but we have Whole Foods But we're good now. And not thinking about all the things and all the people that had to sort of be squashed to get to that point. Yeah, and it's like, I've gone through that where every now and then I'm like, well, it's awesome that everybody has a big apartment, but then like I live in the arts district of North Hollywood now. And I'm like, if they build one more super apartment, I won't be able to live here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And they're like, damn it. It's like, um, and it's, it's interesting seeing it through those eyes of like people kind of reaping the benefits of it at first, only to then learn about this legend and then kind of go through the, traumatic suffering of the entire community that it cut off and then yeah. seeing this awesome art that he makes whoever they got to make these real art pieces i was like i want to buy all can of i this buy art. those right <laughs> although i don't know that i can hang some of it in my apartment because i'm very white <laughs> yeah um, i was like some of the stuff looks amazing and i like to buy it but yeah it was it's a, a great shot is when we get a shot of cabrini green's being in the middle of all of Chicago that has risen around it since the original. 
oh man, and it it's so dumb how even just see Chicago, even in a horror movie, like I miss home. <laughs> yeah. I bet I would get murdered by Candyman, but I do miss home. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then you know we get immediately all of his like weird suffering moments of like subtle racism that Jordan Peele does well when this artist is like, well, you know, you guys just come in here and do this and then make gentrification happen. Oh, think about the artist. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh my God. It's it's a little subtle, couple of those subtle jabs. You're like, oh yeah, that's that's true. He's had to deal deal with this. Um it it's 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 a it's a crazy story too because it what we get from the first one, especially if you watch them, this is, I sort of mentioned this off mic, this is a film that acts differently to two different groups who may be watching this. For folks who have not ever seen the original, this movie acts one way, and until you get to a certain point in the film, you don't get a big re- get a big reveal. If you've seen the original, and you remember the name Anthony, you think about the baby and all that stuff, you're like, oh, I know this, That that's him. You're sort of watching this, this thing. The film plays differently to two different groups, but I think it still works on both ends just depending on what side of the spectrum you come from. But I think it's cool that because this movie says that, hey, no, since that fire that Helen brought Anthony back out of the fire of, no one has ever mentioned Candyman's name again. Like, it's just gone silent. Which is why it's fascinating that the movie kind of just almost like just sprinkles the seed or deposits like, hey, this happened. And it just sort of spreads like wildfire. That's what this whole thing is like. We're putting his name back out there and it just goes from zero to 1000 quickly it it's like the need for fear is the underlying theme and it's like people it almost feels like they're saying at the end like we're gonna keep making the same mistakes unless you're like afraid to do it <laughs> correct uh which is like crazy but it's also like yeah probably like most people don't do accountability unless like you put a gun to their head so like yeah. sure uh, but it is, yeah, it plays out very well either way. And one thing that I think almost added to the first that I didn't ever put together was like, when these people see Candyman, only they see him. Mm-hmm. And it never really connected with me that in these like climaxes of the first movie, everyone just thinks Helen's gone insane. It's almost, no one else can see Candyman it, but yeah. her. And I was like, oh, I never... It's a thing that you, I think that. it's because it's the way it's shot. It, it becomes very Nightmare on Elm Street-ish when you think about it. But like the way it's shot back then, you couldn't really do things the way that you can now to sort of completely show that. You have to use false walls and all that stuff. And it's harder to film it. But here, there are a lot of just amazing shots of seeing a uh, mirror looking at the reflection of it. And you're like, yes, these people can't see what's actually happening. But in the mirror, Candyman is whooping that ass. And you're like, oh, this is insane. It's like using compact mirrors as the, the shot. It's gorgeous. And the shot of them pulling away from the high rise is one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh, it blew my mind. <laughs> we're just watching her get attacked, yeah. but we can't see him, and we're pulling away from the apartment, and then it's she nuts. just gets smeared on the yeah. side. I was yeah. like, oh my. And they were like, this person should direct the Captain Marvel sequel. And I'm like, what is the connective tissue? <laughs> like, how did you pick her? Okay. I mean, I'm here for it, but like, I'm down. But what did you see here that's like, Captain Marvel was about to get nuts. It's like when they were like, you know, we just watched Clown that John Watts produced. We think he should do Spider-Man. I'm like, I have a couple, I have questions. The same with like with Chloe Zhao. For, like Nomadland was great. Eternals? <laughs> like, oh, hold on. <laughs> Kevin, are you seeing different movies than the rest of us are? 
uh, I loved all that. Yeah, all of every death was so like visceral in the movie. Yeah. And yeah, the art critics, I think, was my favorite next to the like bathroom slaughter. But it, uh, you know, it's great. It and is. then you get to this ending, which oh, yes. I guess is the one area that I think we're, we're kind of sounds like we're on the same page about. You could have given me at least a little more breath to this laundromat owner. Yeah. Because he's like explaining, he's giving you all the exposition, but he does it so fast. It, it happens so quick and I catch it. And a lot, and it's weird because I think people of, of my ilk or who are, are African-American will get it a lot faster because you're like, oh yeah, I've been there. I know I get what you're saying. But I think you're explaining this to a, a general audience or an audience who's not as familiar to this. You might need to just give me a little bit more breath around what you're saying. Let's take a time. Add 15 to 20 minutes of it, like so we can kind of get in that sequence because it feels like we go from zero, like we collect his girlfriend, and then it's just like off to the races with the with the, with the back. Yeah. And yeah, we we get to the church and the sweets for the sweet is up there. Yes. And I like this weird, like, oh, I've already called the police. He they're gonna come and kill him because I've told them that he's mm -hmm. the murderer. So he's also like staging right. this whole thing, but he's also like transforming on his own into Candyman via this bee sting and summoning him. So right. I was like, well, is it, is Candyman only born from these brutal stories or, or was, was he, he going to turn into Candyman right. without he, this? Right, or was he chosen based on legacy? Like, did the Candyman back in the original put a curse on Anthony and say, this is coming to you? When, no matter what Helen does, this no curse is coming you to do. you. Right. Yeah. Or is this laundromat owner, like, creating Putting Candyman? this on you, right. Like, putting creation uh, of Candyman to and you. And that was kind of my only, to which I also was like, I get that he's being, like, these white people are crazy right uh it's like we need like we need we, Candyman we're back. creating we a boogeyman fear for them and i was like but in theory people are only gonna summon him like twice and then they're gonna get it it seems like that's what happened after that's Helen. what i, I that's like, what i walked away with and like i get it like okay so it happens she he has a smirk that is great when she's summoning Candyman and like then he says the last one and they let the one cop go because you have to keep the story going along but in my brain I'm just like yeah I get how in current day and what we're doing in this movie everybody's sort of testing like oh this isn't believable this isn't unbelievable but I, I feel like if you kill one group of racist white cops that one cop's gonna be like yo F this we are never saying this name again because some shit goes down because <laughs> also you know in, in every other version I guess you know she's his partner and isn't white so I was like, is it also just like the white people summon him and die? Or because when he summoned Candyman, Candyman was like, I'm going to take over your body and kill you. Right. And I was like, well, hold on. Yeah. The motivations of some of the and villains is where I was like, wait a minute. And it's also not clear because I, I wasn't sure. And typically they all, the person who was saying Candyman always finishes it. Was this a cheat in this one? Because she says it four times and then the the racist cop says it the fifth time and he comes. I was like, I feel like the person who who starts it always has to say it five times. Yeah, I well, because it's supposed to, it like resets it with everyone right. else. So I was like, well, is it just... Did he just yeah, want to kill like, these white racist white people? Which is fine. And these are, <laughs> these are by no means like bad points. They're just no. the only things where I'm like, wait a minute, I think I could have used... Because the movie is not long. It's quick, I, it's 91 like, minutes, I think. 90 yeah. minutes. So yeah. I'm like, we could have added five more minutes to really hammer it home because you know we get 
we get all like the gentrification stuff, which I love because it is ruining everything now. Yeah. And I love a horror movie with a strong current theme and a why should we be afraid? And this is very much like we should be afraid of this system. Like it mm-hmm. isn't even like, and I guess it is still about racism and systemic racism, but I was like, this also even gets into shit that like gentrification affects everybody. And it is kind of this weird, like, you guys should be afraid of this cycle because we're just going to push the poor people over here. Then the artists are going to move in. Younger people are going to move in. Yep. And then they're going to stick around long enough that someone's going to be like, put some cool stuff there. And then we're going to pop it up. And then we're just going to push everybody out. Expensive enough. You can't be in there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But I was like, it's so interesting that we're using this like cycle of urban legends and myths to then kind of counter this cycle of capitalism mm-hmm. i guess yeah and it, it goes back to a lot of like when you analyze horror of like well what are we afraid of and it has since night of the living dead because i'm seeing all of these like it candy man got woke and i'm like shut the fuck up it's horror been always been political like, horror's there's been, been woke since social... george a. romero right. shot that poor man at the end of night of the living dead right like we've been doing this for so long yeah uh so i'm like i'm not even gonna deal with that beyond bringing that up but it's interesting when you look at like decades of horror and we we talk a lot about like well why are we remaking or why are we rebooting and there are i think a litany of reasons to be doing this one and part of it is going back and going why does horror work and when does it work and you look at a lot of 90s like technophobia was big when we were afraid of the matrix you look at old racist horror movies like night of the living dead it's like well we're afraid of old thinking and we kept doing that we're afraid of consumerism we're afraid of all of these other ethereal themes that come in even like things like halloween get into just like we're afraid of something and then later we're afraid of that trauma coming back and Candyman takes that and amplifies it in a way that i don't even think the halloween 2018 movie did where you really are like oh, we're taking stuff that's been happening forever and putting it in front of your face and being like, you should be afraid of this. Right. And to make you afraid of it, we're going to make Candyman again. Gonna put a buggy, right, we're going to put a boogeyman in front of you that makes you aware of why this is a problem. Yeah. But I do think it's interesting because I like Candyman, he doesn't kill you. And then as you died, it's like, this is because of Trader Joe's. So I was like, <laughs> I, I don't know that they're going to like, like quite connect it. Well, yeah, um, I mean, I think again, that's why like it's great to see him in the final image. But it's like when he's like, "Tell my story, let well, tell them all about me." I'm like, "Yeah, but after one story, I feel like they're gonna be like, nah." There was a slaughter in a high school that we're not really talking about. Like that was that <laughs> scene, which was awesome. I was like, "Man, you could have lifted this out of the movie, though." I was sitting there that's- the whole time, saying that exact same thing. Like, uh, otherwise, they posit the scene at the beginning when she's at the art gallery, but. That scene does nothing for the story. Like you could have t- I, lifted that out and put in more story of what he was doing as far as the establishment. I think of it's supposed man. to directly answer the question when uh, she's like, "Well, who would even sum- who would even do this?" Right. And it cuts to kids, and it did kind of and, and white kids and white kids because uh, the black girl was being teased in the in the bathroom, and I think the one girl who left was Asian. She's like, "No, nah, I'm good." <laughs> yep i'm out but that one also kind of messed up the name ones because the the bald girl says it and like skips away and then comes back yeah and i was like oh she needs to die first now 
And I thought right. at her fourth Candyman, she was going to like pop and they were all going to be like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, because that's how you do it. Then those kids go tell other kids. Right. Um, but it did make me remember. I was like, yeah, but I was a kid. Everybody was like, you going to say Bloody Mary three times in the mirror? Right. And it's like, I've always, I see to my mom. I was like, you know, I'm not really religious anymore, but I'm not so not religious that I would like do that. <laughs> if you right. thought to me if you were like this is a witch's totem that we found it on your apartment i'd say well we have to move well, well <laughs> we are like, gone now <laughs> it's it's that simple if something yeah. charges at six dollars and 66 cents i buy some gum like, it, it, I'm it, it's always interesting it was always interesting to me because i mean they they have it in this movie happen where um his sister does it and she dies immediately but it becomes a joke sort of in the present day where he's like yeah black people got enough shit going on that we don't we don't do this this shit this cursing shit and i'm like that's kind of true like we don't there's enough sh crazy shit happening in our life that trying to summon some curse just seems like a bad idea um so but that's I mean, why it was so brutal that's why i think that shot of the kids in the high school is there and that's why they have the black girl in the toilet but, but it is one of those ones when it was all said done it's like that scene could have literally just been cut and lifted out and you could have added something else to sort of unless you're trying to imply like she's now going to hear about candy man and go oh i saw it and and i do think that the girl who ran out would obviously she would spread the story because she'd be like yo yeah. we were doing it i got out of there they kept going they did <laughs> <laughs> right like, like, it is also like look it keeps happening it is right. also still another like even the younger gen like the the, the gen z is not going to save you they're right. also doing it uh no offense to any gen zers who are <laughs> listening <laughs> but but yeah the brutality of all these deaths even the first two people who died i was like oh my it's, god it's brutal well it's crazy because that first one comes in because the first 20 minutes of this there's really no it's all just story beats and we're kind of just like doing a slow beat and we don't really have any deaths up until that point like it's atmospheric horror that we're sort of have up to that point and then that happens you're like oh are we showing it we going in got it got it okay i'm here yeah, that was um she's like latched onto his belt and i was like oh my god <laughs> This is so crazy. Yeah. And then it was even crazy watching him watch it and kind of be like, yeah, I don't care. And I was like, oh, are you already candy? Right. Man? I was like, are you like, already are you... in that point? Um, yeah, it was weird. And it also, I mean, there's a whole story of like parents protecting their kids. It's like, I'm protecting you by not telling you the story, but I also not giving you the entire truth. And you we go to the scene where the mom's like, yeah, I was just trying to keep everything quiet, keep you safe, and keep you like. Do I look safe? You see my face? Do you see my arm? Yeah, I'm not, not good. You, you get into the generational trauma where it's like right. we're trying to end it, but like, what would have been I, the better choice? I may have need to know. Right, I may have needed also, to know. Also, like, so I don't do you think maybe you should have just moved entirely out of Chicago? <laughs> maybe the state instead just of like isn't down the street. <laughs> I get it, but <clears throat> I love it. It was like one of the top movies of the year, for without sure. a doubt. But you know, the other reason we're talking about like why we need it is the statistic you just brought up. That's like Mia DaCosta is now the highest grossing opener, black, black woman theme. director opening, yeah. which is just it, it's. It sounds like a stat that doesn't make sense, but then you look at the other ones. It was Ava DuVernay for Wrinkle in Time, um, the young lady who did Little, and one of the women who did uh, Queen and Slim. So it's like all stuff that's within the last six to seven years. So it's like, oh yeah, it's starting to get there now, but we've never had a Black 
female director opening number one, which is kudos, like about time. It's also, you know, we often talk about black stories that aren't just about trauma. And I was like, well, this is, we don't have a lot of horror movies that aren't like a white dude in a mask. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, good, this is all, we got to bring this back. And I love two things. That, well, one thing I want to make sure that everybody, I know people keep using saying Jordan Peele and Jordan Peele's a producer. He's now the director. So let's make sure that we're giving the credit to the person that's yeah. supposed to be creating correctly. It's Nia DaCosta. He signed a but, check, right. sat down at a test screening, and gave some notes. <laughs> Correct. I but like I also, the man. He works hard, but this is, this is Nia DaCosta's ride. But what I am really excited about for her, one, getting this credit is stat, but two, she is now getting to direct a film where she is not directing the African-American film. She's being hired to do a job where it's the, most of the, the cast is white, except for the woman playing Kamala Khan. So you're kind of just like, ah, see, we can just hire them to do a job. And it doesn't always have to be the black person telling the black stories or the Asian person telling the Asian stories. Terrence, that's a really good point. But I would like her to make another Candyman. <laughs> I would Because too. this was very good. <laughs> I was, I like, would no, you're too. right, you're right. These are all good points. But can I have another Candyman? Can I do this again? <laughs> She could direct thousands of things. That's true. Just come back to this eventually. <laughs> it doesn't have to be tomorrow. No, take your time. Because I like it was so refreshing, even getting even getting a horror movie that isn't just like jump scary. I was like, oh, this is tense it and feels different. It feels different than a lot of the other horror movies that we are we've been sort of become accustomed to over the last decade. Um, this film's like a film that doesn't belong in the horror genre of stuff that we've gotten in the last decade, truthfully. Um, that's why yeah. I think it, it stands out a little bit more to me too because um, Candyman didn't at that time feel like those slasher films of that, that no it was more akin to like a Silence of the Lambs mm -hmm. drama slow burn type thing right and we need that from time to time it can't all be Conjurings and Michael Myers yeah despite what they want you to think <laughs> uh, the, the trailers in front of this show me that that is what we're going to get in October they're going to be like yeah we're going to yes. stab you to death we're going to do that. We're going to remake Train to Busan. We're going <laughs> to... We're in it. Why would we ever... Why would we try anything new or risky or interesting? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't care. But do we need to remake Train for Busan? The answer is not really. Not really. Um... The only pro to it I can think of, and I just tweeted this to somebody, and I was like, you know, we also didn't need to remake The Ring which is one of my favorite horror movies. But I didn't know that was a remake when I was like 12 when that came out. And then I found Did you the, go back to the watch original the original one. Of course. Yeah. And then I discovered a litany of foreign horror go movies. The, and yeah. it brought, so I was like, so I guess maybe this it might be that for some point people. People towards the, the like, original, which gets them down the rabbit hole of enjoying that type of film. Yeah, yeah it's possible. You, uh, so I was like, that I guess. With that. Yeah, that definitely happened with the, the Japanese horror. So I, I hope that that can be the, the the one beacon of goodness that comes out of that but i i know that may be that may come out of it as an afterthought but that is not what anybody who was making or marketing that film or creating that film no did. of course not nobody yeah. was like let's remake train to busan so, so that these to... young kids discover <laughs> yeah. foreign horror movies that's no <laughs> yeah i'm trying to find a silver lining yeah here, i get man. it i'm trying to find <laughs> i'm trying to find the good deal at trader joe's to justify the pool of the apartment makes sense i get it's it. it's not working it's not... <laughs> the rent is too high Candyman yeah. was right. 
<laughs> Yaya, by the way, we didn't really talk about Yaya. He was phenomenal no. in this. And I just wanted to make sure yeah. that because I didn't mention that on my YouTube thing. And I, I was felt like I felt bad. Yaya is really good. Um, and it's incredible. Yeah. And, and this becomes sort of gets into some body horror stuff towards the back end. But like it is you feel everything that's happening in the moment when he's sort of mute and that that tear comes down. It's like, oh, this guy can't he can't even say anything. And it is heartbreaking to me because I've done I've dealt with people or a mental illness and in that moment when she's holding him she's like we're going to get you help and it feels like for a moment that she is dealing with a person who's like who's mentally ill or sick and those cops just come in and shoot without asking any type of questions it's like oh fuck this all of this hits different because it's, of the world it's such we're a, in. yeah oh yeah well that yeah that's a big part of it i also what always gets me in those moments is when i'm like it just didn't need to be like this no like there were it other didn't need options. to be <laughs> yeah. this this other like the villain of the movie who is this laundromat owner to me and the cops of course but i was like he didn't need to call them no he didn't need to cut off his arm and shove that hook in there like no. he he doesn't want to become candy man like he's no. and i'm like well he uh, and it's also that thing where I'm like they all told you not to say it man because you could have just gone back to your mom it's the weird thing about the curiosity kills the cat it definitely did in this moment because he was saying like he dug in a little bit and he got into it and he was like telling people like telling the reporter like the critics say say his name say his name and then she was once he found out how deep he got into it he's like don't say his name he's breaking mirrors he's shouting like no we're out of this but for him well yeah it left the station. it was too late yeah and his his partner is gonna do it is what he's like no and i'm like okay there he's He's figured it out. Like this is, you've brought something back. That you can't that contain. Some people that hopefully is going to do some good somewhere, but right. uh, maybe, but yeah, when they come in and just shoot him and then she's in that car and he's like, look, this could go down a lot of different ways. ways. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you gotta, we gotta get candy, man. Right. I was like, call him now. Summon him. Summon him. Uh, and even when like, they look at each other through the window and you're like, it's so that's always like the worst and best part of horror movies is when I'm like, we didn't have to, it didn't have to go down like this. It becomes like a, almost a, a Beauty and the Beast or Phantom of the Opera where it's like this, um, like, like this, they clearly love each other, but now they can never be because this muck, this all got mucked up in, in, the, in the system, which is uh, uh, just sad. All because you just had to go and figure it out, but... <laughs> I mean, if we get more, like, I want more. I am now like, great, we can, did we, I don't know, does this wipe out two and three? Is this like a requel the way Halloween is? Or is I like feel like it does. I feel like it does remove those because it. The, the, the reason why I think it does is because it is, granted, I think the other one takes place in New Orleans. One of them takes place in like yeah. Louisiana or something like that. But the, the thought of no one in Chicago mentioning that name, that name doesn't come up at all. I feel like if that name was used in any type of death, even if it was just I mentioned, it would have gotten brought up in some type of news. The way that they made this film seems that he had been shut down since since the fire with Helen. Yeah. So I'm assuming well, I that, feel that like means those two other ones are wiped out. That's kind of, I mean, it makes sense. They're not great, but I'm also no. sort of like, ah, eh, we could have, we could have just had some shadow puppets to be like, and then in Louisiana, yeah. this happened. And yeah, there's some, there's some, visuals and i like sort of the setting of farewell but there's nothing there's nothing there we can remove that no i mean that's (laughs) how a lot of those horror movies went uh it did well 
22.3 million at the box office. 20, 20.4. For an R-rated 20. horror movie. Yeah. 20, yeah. In a uh, pandemic. Yeah. Without an R-rated. VOD options. An R-rated lead, an R-rated film, horror film, black lead in the pandemic. This is pretty good numbers. I am getting weird though with these box office because one week, like Free Guy does the exact same numbers as uh, um, the superhero movie. And they're like, Free Guy's a winner. Yay. But the week before you said that exact same number, just slightly lower, was 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 not. So I'm telling you, man, it's whoever's PR team they have. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, because it really is like, I, I've got them pulled up now just to kind of look. And it is like, you know, Mortal Kombat opened at 23 million and we were like, oh, I don't oh, know. Yeah. And it's like, then this opens and we're like, it's the single greatest <laughs> box office of all time. <laughs> right. Like, you know, because then like you have things like Spiral at 8 million and no one was like, this is the end of Saw. They were just like, what can you do? Yeah. But then, you know, A Quiet Place 2 blows up. Mm-hmm. Conjuring does 24 million. Uh, the Hitman Wife's Bodyguard does not like 11 million. That's a low number. F9. Yeah. I'm like, that's another one that I'm like, no one talked about. No. Reminiscence made 2 million. I still have not said no that. one talking about it. Yeah. It's not a good move. And that's a star. But, like Hugh Jackman is a is a is a high lead. Like it's like 20, it seems like 28 to 35 is now your average, right? Like, mm-hmm. but here we are at Candyman making 22.4. Suicide Squad opened to 26. That was the one that they were like that. And but they were and they're like, oh, that, this is the worst yeah. thing ever. And, and I'm, I'm like, like, wait, what? what? And then Free Guy makes you. about the same amount. And they're like, Free Guy is the IP return. Like, new IP is great. I'm like, wait, what? Every every HBO Max Warner Brothers one is getting this like, oh, man. And I'm like, are we, is somebody at HBO Someone, just like saying it's not doing great? Yeah. So we get bump up our HBO numbers. Because then whenever these Disney ones, Free Guy, Black Widow, it's like, we're back. Yeah. We're back. And now with Candyman, they're like, this is really good. And I'm like, it is really good. But like, it's not a quiet place too good. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it's actually, it's right on par with like The Conjuring 3, which we were yeah. like, well, if that can't People were like, Conjuring funny. didn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, make, make up your mind, Hollywood. I, yeah, I don't make know what the litmus mind. is anymore. You're all over, they're all over the place. Yeah. Like, yeah, everything, it's like, you, you just want to be in like 20 to 30. Right. And you're fine. And you're good. You're not going to make, yeah. But who knows? This also, I don't know what the budget for this was either. And I'm sure it wasn't uh, that much. I'm sure it wasn't that much for this. Uh, 25 million. Yeah, 25 million. They've already, they're already at that with just the bot, with what they have so far. So I, I'd imagine anything from this point is going to be in the gold. They want to get like to times two and a half. This plus whatever they, like the word of mouth is good for this. Like the critics are yeah. good. The fans seem to dig it. So I think this might... Shang-Chi's a different audience, but I don't I think this will have legs and eventually when it comes on whatever VOD service it I is, think that'll do well. Because it's interesting. Once Shang-Chi is out, now that Venom's delayed, however long it's delayed for, September's dead. Yeah. So yeah. it's like Candyman and Shang-Chi could just hang out till could be there until the Halloween stuff for October. Yeah. And Candyman, Candyman sort of has a bridge because it could <clears throat> yeah. It yeah. could easily become this weird movie that's just in theaters until next year. Right. Which would be awesome. Which would be great. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like, and then once you get to October, it's, it's weird. It's crazy. We're in it. It's just yeah. every week. Yeah. And then we're kind of dead again. But, no, I loved it. 
I'm very excited to see what Nia DaCosta does next, which we yeah. know is uh, the Marvels. Marvels. Yeah. The Marvels with all of them. Everybody. Everyone. Everybody. Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel. I don't think we've given a name to LeBeau's character. Yeah, I don't know which she, in the comics, she uses multiple code names. I don't know which one yeah. we're, we're giving her. Um, but yeah, she's there as well. It's a very eclectic cast. I was like, yeah, you gotta. It's gonna be a, great. A Neapolitan, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> yeah, I think it's gonna be great. Well, that was the show, guys. We will see you next week for Shang-Chi. You can, of course, leave us a review and let you know what us let us know what you thought on our YouTube comments. Terrence has all of our other YouTube reactions and reviews on the YouTube channel. We also do another show called Marvel Pair Up, where we take the Disney Plus Marvel shows along with whatever genre and give you the history of that, be it Marvel movies themselves, buddy cop movies, or sitcoms. I'm at, as always, Blake and Terrence is at Terrence Tatum, and that is our show. Later. Thank you.